0: Good evening, everyone, and I appreciate those of you in church tonight. And those following us online, I want to say welcome. Um, Tonight is going to be a little different in that our musician is not available, and so we're not going to sing. Uh, we want to pray and ask God to help us here tonight and uh, speak to our hearts. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks once again for this Wednesday night. Lord, there's so much to thank you for. Uh, We do not really deserve to even be alive, but your grace and your mercy has overshadowed our lives and given us that opportunity, Father, that while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. And we are granted this privilege of accepting you, Father, as our Heavenly Father. Touch our minds tonight uh, in this service. Give me the right words to share with your people, Father, and may you touch the hearts of individuals following us tonight. We bring Brother Bear and his family before you, Lord, and every other individual in this fellowship that is suffering, whether it's family, Our friends, Father, we pray that your hand will be upon your people. Let not the faith of your people fail, Father, but strengthen our faith as well as theirs. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. I'm looking at a scripture tonight in Matthew, the the fifth chapter. And I was wondering, as I'm looking at this scripture just just before church, they call these, these verses of scripture here the Beatitudes. I really did not have the time to check and see why it is called Beatitudes. Is it something to do with the attitude? And it might very well be, uh, but it's called the Beatitudes, and Jesus uh, coming on the scene amidst the days of the law and the people that were brought up under the Mosaic law, uh, he came to offer a different approach to serving God. And here is a good example where he starts. And if ever there was a time for you and I to understand the responsibility and the demands of Christian living. What does it take for a child of God to live in this world, pleasing God and not the world? I was talking to someone today and the person told me, oh, Brother Raleigh, I can tell you who it was. Brother Raleigh, I was talking to Brother Raleigh while he was cutting my hair today and, um, you know, he's he's my barber. And, uh, when I can get him to come on in and give me a cut, uh, he comes and we have a little barber shop downstairs in the basement, specially designed for me. He brought a chair, barber's chair, and he's got all the equipment and so. I appreciate Brother Raleigh being a barber. Being a barber does not mean now. Look at me. I'm not taking advantage of Brother Raleigh. I would never take advantage of a man that works in this church, whether it's a tile maker or somebody, anyone that's doing something for me gets compensated more than they would get from a non-godly person coming off the street. And so, while he was cutting my hair, and oh, your Brother Raleigh always refused taking money from me, but I would never feel comfortable taking a haircut and don't pay for it because that's his livelihood. And so I'm sitting down there and he's cutting my hair and he says, Brother Singh, it is so hard uh, to really not live for the world. The world has such a grip on me. So I listened to Brother Raleigh. I said, what do you mean the world have a grip on you? Are you an alcoholic? He says, no. I said, do you follow sports? He says, no, no, no. And I start a call one thing after the other And I said, you don't have a problem with the world, brother. I said, all these things I'm telling you, you're not even involved in. So you really don't have a problem. Don't let the devil tell you you have a problem with the world. You might have a problem with Raleigh, but you don't have a problem with the world. And you know, it is always better for a man to to see himself needing God than for a man to feel he already has everything he needs from God. And so, when we're thinking about Christian living, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, he makes a statement like this, and he goes through the Beatitudes, and he, he tells us how to live in the midst of the days when the law was so vibrant. And it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, someone that transgressed the laws of Moses must die. Uh, here is Jesus. He said in verse 4, verse 3, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I believe what he meant here when he says poor in spirit. Well, you can be haughty in your spirit. You can be arrogant in your spirit. You can be proud in your spirit. You can be this uh, spirited individual that wants your own way. But a humble person, I would see that as a poor in spirit individual. Now, as I talk to you tonight, remember, uh, this lesson is for us. And Jesus said, you're blessed. And so the definition of blessing is uh, revised by Jesus as he's talking to the people. In the days of old, uh, you're blessed when you have a lot of money and you have a lot of cattle and you have a lot of uh, WEALTH, YOU'RE CLASSIFIED AS BEING BLESSED. UNDER THE ADMINISTRATION OF JESUS, BLESSING HAS A DIFFERENT uh, VIEWPOINT. YOU HAVE TO SEE IT IN A DIFFERENT CATEGORY. HE SAYS YOU'RE BLESSED WHEN YOUR SPIRIT IS POOR, WHEN YOU'RE HUMBLE, YOU'RE BLESSED. HE GOES ON HERE, WE SAID, BLESSED ARE THEY THAT MOURN. YOU GOTTA BE KIDDING, JESUS. YES, HE SAID, BLESSED ARE YOU THAT HAVE THE ABILITY to mourn when someone is suffering, uh, for you will be comforted. And so, blessing is already taking a different form as we're looking at it. He says, blessed are the meek. Uh, Here we go again. Contrary to haughty and aggressiveness and uh, somebody that's uh, pushing their way in society. The meek. He said, blessed are the meek, for that is what the new kingdom of God will have. The kingdom of, the, of God on this earth will have meek individuals, people that are teachable, people that are humble, people that are not uh, fighting, or uh, they're just meek, they're just tender. Uh, blessed are the meek for theirs, for they shall inherit uh, the earth. Uh, blessed are they which do hunger, And thirst, not after power, not after wealth, not after fame and popularity, but blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled with God's spirit and God's righteousness. Uh, They'll be filled, you have to hunger and thirst. And today's world, you know, we can read these scriptures and pass over it. Do I hunger and thirst after God? I believe I do. Not to the extent I would like to do, but I think I hunger and thirst after God. I thirst and hunger after God every day of my life. I'm disappointed with the world, but I'm, I'm still hungering and thirsty after God. And that is why when it comes to faithfulness, when it comes to commitment, When it comes to dedication, when it comes to being there, when I'm needed, that's what I do. And so it says, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Has someone crossed your grain, crossed your path, said something ridiculous against you? Jesus said, Show mercy. Um, THERE'S A SCRIPTURE THAT SAYS, HE SHALL HAVE JUDGMENT WITHOUT MERCY THAT SHOWETH NO MERCY. I THINK THAT'S A BEAUTIFUL SCRIPTURE THAT WILL SUPPORT THIS CONCEPT. IT MIGHT BE IN JAMES. I'M NOT SURE WHERE IT IS AT THIS POINT. BUT HE SHALL HAVE JUDGMENT WITHOUT MERCY THAT shows NO MERCY. Uh, FOR MERCY REJOICETH AGAINST JUDGMENT. SOMEONE FIND THAT SCRIPTURE FOR ME. IT'S A BEAUTIFUL beautiful scripture, but James? I'm looking at James, I kind of, I- James chapter 2 and verse 13. It says here in James 2 and verse 13, for, for he shall have judgment without mercy. In other words, you as an individual, when you stand before God, if you have shown no mercy to people when they deserve mercy, then God will show no mercy to you, uh, that is why Jesus, in the Lord's prayer, He says, "Forgive me this day, as I forgive those that trespass against me." And that is why, as I'm talking to you tonight, I don't have enemies. I don't try to hold people as enemies. I I thought of myself today, and I said, you know, I just love people. I just love everyone. Uh, some might not be as wonderful as others, but. I just love humanity, I love mankind. I love to sit down and look at people, old people, young people, all kinds of people. You look at them and everyone has his own beauty. Uh, now, Brother Singh, what about the sinner? Well, we are all sinners. And had God looked at us with, a, with an angry eye, he would not have allowed his son to die for us. Uh, God was merciful to us. And while we were sinners, Jesus died. He died for the ungodly, uh, not for the righteous. And so if he died for me, then I must show some uh, sympathy and empathy and feelings and mercy and tenderness to individuals that don't know God. Don't you think so? And so uh, here James says, for he shall have judgment, verse 13, without mercy, that has showed no mercy Because mercy rejoiceth against judgment. In other words, because I'm merciful to individuals, when I've done something that deserved the judgment of God, mercy forms a cushion. So God does not judge me the same way. And that is why when individuals in Israel sinned, the same sin David committed, they died. But David had a cushion because he was so merciful to people, David would scarcely lift his hand against God's people. And that is important, our attitude. See, tonight I'm talking to us about Christian living. What is demanded, and these are some of the things Jesus said, and I don't want to spend a whole night with this. He said, uh, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart. And recently we have talked a lot about the heart. Uh, Because the heart is desperately wicked, the devil would have us avoid listening to the word of God from our hearts. Uh, He would prefer us just to be educated with scriptures, but not allow the scriptures to reach down into our hearts. The heart must be changed. The heart must pant after God. The heart must reach out and receive the message. If we receive the message only intellectually, and that is sad when congregations upon congregations will sit there and they get educated by their pastor. Uh, They're not receiving this motivation in their heart to live for God. It is a sad day uh, for individuals like that. But Jesus said... Uh, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness. You know, blessing is really taking a different turn here. A brother saying, I was blessed when, uh, when uh, they, a door opened up. Maybe a door that opens up for you is not a blessing, it's a curse. You'll be surprised to know that the devil opens more doors than God opens. A closed door might be a blessing. An open door might be a curse. If you're a elect child of God, the definition of blessing changes. Depends on God. And so we must understand that. Somebody says, I'm blessed. Well, what makes you blessed? Someone give me $10,000. I'm blessed. Are you really blessed? Or would that damn you? Would that activate your spirit of lust and And uh, your spendthrift attitude? Would I let you go and do the wrong things and buy the wrong things? And so we're looking at the definition that Jesus is changing here in Matthew 5 uh, concerning the word blessing. Uh, Blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. When you're persecuted, yes. You're blessed when you're judged. You're blessed when you're chastised. You're blessed when God takes you through the valley of the shadow of death. You're blessed. Job was blessed when he lost everything. Oh, he was blessed before when he had everything, but he had a greater blessing when he lost everything because the process God was taking him through would have had eternal values. And so here in Matthew, I said all of that to come to uh, this part it says, um, uh, Blessed are you when men shall revile you. You're blessed. And revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely. Can you handle that? Are you a Christian to handle that? Are you going to fight back? Or are you going to be a Christian? If you're a child of God and God is working in your life, your life in the community should be different. And so Jesus went on after saying all of this, and he says, you're the salt, verse 13. He says, you're the salt of the earth. He says, but the salt, but if the salt has lost its saltiness or savor, wherewith shall it be salted? If the salt has no saltiness in it, well, how can we salt it? He says, think about it. You're the salt of the earth. Uh, When you live in a community, you should be an ingredient in that community that becomes a blessing to it. When you're in a school or you're in a classroom, you in that classroom should be an ingredient that brings a blessing to that classroom. When you're employed on the job as a child of God, you should be a blessing to the people. They should see your light. And I went out and did some, uh, not a ma- massive big job. I did security, site supervisor for 14 years. And someone was telling me, you did a security job for 14 years. Yes, I did. And I, any job I did, I became, you know, the leader or the, the person in control. And that was a blessing from God. I was site supervisor uh, for uh, Group 4, a security company for 14 years. Most of the years, I was with Group 4. Prior to that, I was just working for management. And I was awarded the Supervisor of the Year Award while working from a security boot. But the most, the, the greatest blessing I received was when individuals would come to me and tell me there's something about me that's different, that's going to reach on into their life and change them. I received a a message not so long ago from a young lady that was, uh, she's a Muslim, and she was living at that place, and she never became a Christian, but she wrote me, she moved to London, Ontario, and she wrote me, and she said, in that letter, she says, "The best days she had that she can remember were days when she come to that gatehouse and shared with me her problems and listened to the wise counsel that I would give her. Muslim. isn't that wonderful? Wasn't it wonderful? And Mrs. Merriam Dupre came on in, and uh, uh, she would she had this attitude. And maybe it was a demonic in her that was wanting to war and fight with me. And eventually she came one day and wanted a business card for this church. And I really did not care for her to come. Because she was such a different woman. Such a feisty and fretful woman. And when she came, it, you know God speaks to us in so many ways. When she sat in that service, the first service, and cried through the entire worship, I knew that God had touched her heart. Up to this day, Hans Hoppler, uh, this this German friend that still follows me on Facebook, more faithful than a lot of Christians, uh, he believes in what I do because he saw something in me. And you know, that is important, that people around you See the light that God has placed in your life unless there is none. And so, Jesus said in verse 14, he says, you're the light of the world. And that is what I want to really get to. If you're the light of the world, we have a world that's full of darkness. Uh, This world is full of darkness and when Jesus said, you're the light of the world... Uh, he, in, he intends to help us that we come to that place, that if a light is here and there's darkness, don't tell me that light would not penetrate the darkness. If this entire building is dark and you strike a match. That's how a Christian ought to be. That light that penetrates the darkness. Uh, Jesus was that light, and the darkness could not overpower his light. Well, you're a child of God, and our responsibility is let the Lord change our lives and bring light inside. Uh, Holy F- leave Matthew, leave Matthew for now. He said, no, let me finish Matthew here. He says, uh, you're the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. He says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. He says, let your light, it is a command, let your light so shine before men that they may see something. They might see something not to glorify you, but to glorify the God that you serve. That they glorify the Father which is in heaven. Uh, Over in Colossians, uh, the very first chapter of Colossians, I want to really go to Ephesians. But in the very first chapter of Colossians, uh, Paul writing here to the Colossians, he says how God has translated us out of darkness, and uh, he says here in verse uh, Colossians chapter one verse ten, he says that you walk worthy of the Lord. There's a Christian walk that we are demanded to follow, that we walk. Worthy. Everybody say worthy. worthy. It means worthy in the sight of God. You walk worthy of unto a uh, worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Whether it's your job, whether it's your neighborhood, whether it's the grocery store, whether it's the drugstore. You know, I believe in letting your light shine. I believe I'm a child of God. And God has blessed me with a vocabulary. I can talk to people. I can say hello to someone. I can say good morning to someone. But beyond that, if I have light, if darkness is eliminated from my life, and how can darkness be eliminated? We'll find out. Because it's not a hocus pocus. It's a life that we ought ought to live. And Paul says that you walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Uh, when you have something to, to do, let your, let your light so shine that men may see your good works, that they may see your works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And I believe whether you do a signboard, or you do a garden, or you mow the lawn, or you pack your groceries in a grocery store, I believe a child of God that has light is different. I believe a child of God that has light is meticulous. I believe when darkness is gone, it's not me shining my light only in church, but it's something that carries, goes with me anywhere I go. Uh, people would look at me and know oh, there's a difference. Uh, there is a conversion. Uh, there was a time when I was growing up AND IT SAYS, WHEN SOMEONE ATTENDS A CRUSADE, AND THIS PERSON COMES TO THE ALTAR AND asks GOD TO CHANGE THEIR LIFE, DO YOU KNOW, THERE WAS THAT TIME WHEN CONVERSION WAS VERY VISIBLE. AND uh, THE PERSON GOES HOME AND THE FAMILY AND THE FRIEND SAYS, WHAT'S WRONG WITH YOU? Uh, ARE YOU GOING TO GO TO THE PARTY ON FRIDAY? NO, I'M A CHRISTIAN. Uh, YOU KNOW, LIKE, THERE'S A DIFFERENCE. THEY SAID EVEN THE DOG KNOWS THE MAN IS CONVERTED. BECAUSE HIS BEHAVIOR CHANGES. IF WE'RE children OF LIGHT, WE OUGHT TO SHINE LIGHT. PAUL SAYS IN PHILIPPIANS, I DON'T WANT TO TURN THERE, HE SAYS that WE MUST BE, uh, WE MUST SHINE FORTH AS LIGHTS IN THE MIDST OF A CROOKED AND PERVERSE NATION. BEAUTIFUL SCRIPTURE. LET ME JUST READ IT uh, FOR MYSELF HERE. HE SAYS, JUST ONE PAGE OVER, VERSE CHAPTER 2 OF PHILIPPIANS AND VERSE 15 that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, as you live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you, sh- the, you shine as lights in the world. Isn't it something? See, God wants us not to uh, be coming to church and just sing some song and go home and live in darkness. He wants you to be a light. Someone try to take advantage of you, your response is different. A child of God walks differently than the ungodly. See, the, the meek spirit, the pure in spirit, the, uh, the, the one that is uh, poor in spirit, uh, it's different, you're different, you're a child of God, you're not haughty, you're not fighting. You carry yourself in modesty, sisters, and sobriety. Brothers, you become gentlemen in society. You're an asset to society rather than a liability. And here he goes on here. He says that you be blameless and harmless. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Uh, What you're doing, holding forth. The word of life, that I may rejoice, Paul says, in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labor in vain. The desire of every pastor, whether it's Paul or Peter or your pastor, is to see lives change and conversion takes place in the lives of the people. It is the greatest pleasure I can have when I see God reaches on into someone's life and changes that individual that they serve God uh, with, without flaw. They serve God blamelessly. And so here in Colossians chapter 1, uh, Paul is writing here and he says, he says that you walk, verse 10, that you walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Everything. You please him in everything. He says being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the every, every good work you're fruitful in. And you're increasing in the knowledge of God. And that is not head knowledge. That is knowing Christ. That is why Jesus, when he comes back, he will says, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It's not that he did not know them because he lost consciousness. No, the experience you have with Christ... Uh, THE KNOWLEDGE YOU HAVE IS A HEART RELATIONSHIP I'M TELLING YOU THERE'S MORE TO SERVING GOD THAN JUST BEING EDUCATED THERE'S A LIFE THAT RESULTS FROM YOUR HEART BEING TOUCHED BY GOD AMEN AND PAUL WENT ON HE SAYS STRENGTHEN WITH ALL MIGHT ACCORDING TO HIS GLORIOUS POWER Unto patience and long-suffering with with patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. Well, you're suffering, but you have joy while you're doing it. See, a child of God must understand that to serve God, God must purge you. God must prepare you for the kingdom. It does not take an easy process. But as you yield yourself to God, there's still joy that the goodness of God... Uh, Paul says, I take pleasure in mine infirmity. He got to be nuts, brother. No, no, no. I'm a Christian. When I go through my trials and my testings and they revile me and I'm accused wrongfully, I don't bark and fight back. No, I'm a child of God. You hit me. And you know, years ago I told you about a story I heard and I actually went and checked it out. It was called, a tree called the sandalwood. And someone says, the sandalwood, and when I checked it out, it was for real. It's a tree that has that wood called a sandalwood. And when you put an axe to it, it sends a fragrance. When you cut chopping the tree down, you're, 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 you're almost fascinated with the fragrance that the tree. The more you chop, the more it smells. And the person that said that years ago was a missionary in Guyana. He said, you need to be like a sandalwood Christian. As people chop on you, fragrance comes forward. And that is important for us. Whether it's in school or in the job or wherever we go. Amongst family or anything like that. We must be that radiant light. In the midst of darkness. Don't let the darkness cause you to cover your light. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Cover your rebelliousness, but let your light shine. And he goes on here. And he says, giving thanks to the Father, which has made us me to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. See, there is a difference with a saint in darkness. And a saint in light. And we are blessed because there were other individuals that had light. Jesus was a, he said, John was a bright and shining light. See, that's what made the difference with John. Uh, John, he was the son of a priest. And back there, if you were the son of the priest, you had to dress with certain attire. Your your parents must be a certain way. While John, according to dress patterns, he was a disgrace to the priestly dress style. The man went into the wilderness and came out with a camel here instead of a white robe. Instead of linen garments, he, he contradicted traditionalism by his garment. Now, that traditionalism was what God demanded in the Old Testament. We see God was moving out from that and coming into a different position. And John the Baptist, Jesus said, when he walked out there clothed with camel hair, uh, maybe smelling stenchy, uh, not very, very polite in his mannerisms and his work, because he was in the wilderness until God was ready to use him. He didn't go to college, he didn't go to university, he didn't go to seminary, he didn't go for training to become a priest. God called a man. There was a man sent from God, his name was John. And when John came out there, uh, you look at him, he was a wild man. When Jesus looked at him, he says, John was a bright and shining light. Your definition as to what light is was important. Because if you thought light was the guys that looked very nice in that time, you would have misunderstood it. Light was a life different and contrary to the lifestyle and pattern of traditional religion in that period of time. Jesus said John was a bright and shining light and you were willing for a season to abide in that light. And then Jesus says, I have greater light than that of John. Jesus was the best light you can ever find. And that is why, when we become Christians, we are to radiate the light that Christ has given to us. If we can't radiate the light that Christ has given to us, maybe our conversion is not genuine. When we receive a conversion, it means we are changing from one lifestyle to another lifestyle. It's not conversion on a Sunday and the rest of the week we do our own thing. No, no, You're blessed when you uh, hunger and thirst after righteousness. You're blessed when you radiate this light. And so like other saints of God, uh, Paul is telling the Colossians, uh, he never started this church, but he's writing and telling them that they had this privilege. Uh, He says, giving thanks, verse 12, unto the Father that has made us meet to be partakers of other saints That were already delivered from darkness. Who God the Father who has delivered us from the power of darkness. You see darkness is the world we are living in. It it, it motivates us. And so there I was talking to Brother Raleigh. And I was telling him I said do you watch dirty movies? Do you watch violent movies? he says no. And no." I said man you're not. You're not really captured by the world. What are you worried about? But I know what he's talking about, this feeling of needing God, uh, this feeling of despising the world, of getting rid of the world. Uh, what the world has will not save us. If Christ is the Lord Jesus is to put individuals in the coming kingdom, that to establish light in the coming kingdom, then they need to conquer the darkness of this world. And education was what the Pharisees and the Sadducees had. And illumination was what John the Baptist had. And education was what the scribes and the learned men in that time had. But light was what Jesus was given to these individuals that they called unlearned and ignorant men. May God help us not to pattern after the world, whether it's the religious world or the ungodly world or the entertaining world. We're to be partakers of the saints in light. And God must translate us from the powers of darkness, from the kingdom of darkness, the power of darkness, and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And so light is given to us because God is translating us into the kingdom of his son. And Paul, in writing to the Ephesians, and turn back here now to the Ephesians, uh, Paul's letter to the Ephesians Tonight, I got my full time. No singing, just preaching. Uh, So here we go. Ephesians chapter 1. When Paul is writing here, I'm not going to use every uh, every verse of scripture, but I like verse 4 and 5. Paul is writing here, and he says, according as he, God the Father, has chosen us from in him before the foundation of the world. You see, we read these things and it passes over like, but can you imagine before the world was even made, God chose you and I to be here tonight. The world was not, you see, because God inhabits eternity, you and I are caught in time. But God, he created time. So he's seeing the end He's seeing the beginning and the end. He's seeing all at one time. You and I are I getting frustrated. Why is it taking so long? 1,000 years. Not to a bride member. To a bride member that's given immortality and they start to think and see like God. 1,000 years, yes, but like a breath. It's the people and they're patient enough to wait on the people to make change. They're not really waiting. They're watching what's happening. And they're doing the work of God. So for God, a thousand years is like a day. For you and I, a thousand years wear us out. We get worn out because we got to endure time. God inhabits eternity. And he says here, according, as God the Father has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, why has he chosen us? That we should be lights. That we should be Christians, that we should walk like Christians, that we should be holy. Holy means we live according to God's standards, not ours. We live, we let darkness be eliminated and we have light. And it's a daily process. Light is not the talk. You can know all the doctrines and still you don't have light because it has never penetrated your heart and changed your life. Putting on a white shirt and putting on a Christian garment and all of that is important, but that does not mean that the heart is changed. It's dung back again to the heart. And that is why some messages cater for the head, some caters to tickle the fancies of the individuals, And some, if God is merciful, will allow messages to illuminate the heart. And it's called walking in light. And that is what Jesus talked about. He says, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. He predestinated us according to that. In chapter 2, and you know, I'm skipping over some verses here because, uh, you know, we like to make use of the time. He says, As, And, and he, you hath he quickened. God the Father has quickened you who are dead in trespasses and sin. Wherein in times past, in times past, when you're in darkness, you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Right? And so, in chapter 4, we move over to chapter 4, Uh, There's so many beautiful areas of Scripture here. In chapter 4, I take you to verse 17. Uh, Paul says, And this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. See, when the mind is only organizing your life, and the mind is telling you what to do, and the mind is all where the Christian life is, it's not reaching down into the heart. It will not change your life because you'll still be subject to the drives and the desires of the dark society that we are being saved from. And so it says, having the understanding darkened, let me back up here, 17, this I say, therefore... And testify in the Lord that you walk henceforth. You walk not as other gent. Henceforth, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of the mind. If the mind is the only thing that's getting enlightened, it's not really the heart. Then you will mechanically want to serve God. You will come up with little principles that make you look like a Christian, but the heart must be changed. And he goes on, he says, having the understanding darkened. It's darkened because the understanding, the deep workings of God, uh, you're still alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that in them because of the blindness of the heart. We're talking light and the heart here tonight. Being children of light means that God is converting the heart. And, and and this is this is so important for us to understand in verse 22. Paul says, now here are some things that if you want darkness to be eliminated, here are some steps that you take. He says, put off concerning the form of conversation, the old in nature, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You've got to conquer it. You've got to conquer it. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Well, He will not make you you force you to be tempted, but we must be tempted. What you do, do with the temptation, that is important. Child of God is not a talk, it's a walk. In prison, they say walking the walk. That's a brother Joe actually wrote a little book, a booklet that says walking the walk. And This is what we're talking about here tonight. We're talking about the walking the walk aspect that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So what happens? when 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 this newness is starting to come you find that your life starts to change and so what will happen we are for putting away lying putting away lying don't lie don't tell a lie don't live a lie put away lying speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another don't deceive your brothers and sisters the worst person to ever tried to deceive is the pastor. You know, I've been pastoring for fifty-something years, and he got really be a con man to fool me. I don't need some divine inspiration to help me. You study people, you live with people, you talk to people. After a while, you can know when someone is lying to you. You can know when someone is depressed. You can know when someone is bothered about something. You can know someone when someone hates you. There was a period of time I could tell and I was thinking, I I thought I was telling Brother Joe, uh, we were talking about this morning. There was a time when I went in a certain church and when I walked into the church, there was an elder in that church and if I'm walking down the aisle here, he's gonna take that side's track. And if I change my track, he's gonna bust through and try to come to the middle. You know why I knew why and I told the pastor of that church why I said that man's got demons and so his demons never liked to face me was he a preacher yes he was was he praying loud in church very loud but he was possessed did it prove to be true yes after a while he left the church did divorce his wife left the church and wanted to start his own church. Anyone that follows him is led astray. And they're, they're, that is how it is. Sometimes you're working with someone and they don't like to face you. They like to dodge you, dodge you. When people are dodging you, you wonder why they're dodging you. When someone sins, they don't want to pray. They don't want to meet you. They don't want to see you. They want to dodge you. And that is why our love Church. I love church because it gives me exposure to child children of light, and I'm patient. And God has taught me to be patient because, as I eliminate darkness from my life, I'm hoping that you too can eliminate darkness from your life, and we can all be children of light. Because this is God's desire before the foundation of the world. Let's read what else He says. Um, he says, verse uh, verse 26. Be angry, there are times when you need to be angry, but don't sin. If you're angry, and you want to put a point out because someone is doing something contrary, you can be angry, but you don't let the anger control you. You control the anger. You ever heard me say, I choose when I want to be angry? It's because I control the anger. I can control the giggles. I can control the life. The laughter. I can mourn when I have to mourn. There are times when I might lose it because I'm not like that super. Uh, but, uh, they, but you can learn to be angry and sin not. And don't let the sun uh, go down on your wrath. You go to bed angry. They're angry you today and you go to bed. That's why it's good to pray before you go to sleep. <clears throat> Ask God to forgive you of sins that you probably, con- uh, con- uh, con- uh, you probably did during the day, or spoke things contrary during the day. You go to bed, don't sleep on it. It grows on you. And Paul went on here, he says, uh, neither give place to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. Let him that steals, steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hand, working with his hand, and uh, doing that which is good. Verse 29. <coughs> We're talking about, Children of light here, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Dirty jokes, dirty talk. Uh, you know, uh, we all have to come to that place that we must be able to conquer our speech. Your speech must be with grace, seasoned with salt. I think right down uh, to the end of, uh, I'm not sure if that's the same scripture, but um, uh, there is a verse of scripture that says your, your speech, uh, season with salt. Um, uh, uh, Colossians, uh, Thessala, uh, Colossians chapter 4, uh, I'm coming back to Ephesians, but Colossians chapter 4 uh, tells us this continuing prayer. Col- Colossians is a wonderful book to read if you want to learn how to live for a, as a Christian. He says, continue in prayer, watch in the same with thanksgiving. And watch is in the same with thanksgiving, with all, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Pray for the preacher every single day to speak the mystery of Christ, for that which I am also in bonds. And he comes here, he says, walk in wisdom, verse 5. Walk in wisdom towards them that are without. When you seek people outside, let your light so shine before men that they might see your good work. Be nice to people. Say hello to people. Uh, be friendly with people. A smile can change a person's attitude. You're a child of God, man. Let your light shine. But if you don't have, what can you do? Fake it. Don't fake it. If you don't have it, then pray that God give you. But you know, being nice develops, enhances your light. We don't just hocus-pocus overnight, get light. No, we have to start walk as children of light and darkness is dispelled. And Paul went on here, he says, Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. Make sure you use your time up properly. Let your speech be always with grace. Don't be a pig. Don't be like a dog. Don't bark. Let your speech be always with grace. And how you know that a person is moving on with maturity is that their speech, he that offended not in words, the same has reached maturity. James said that. When your word Is coming out of your mouth. Whether it's an obnoxious scene. If your anger is controlling your mouth. You need to be saved. There's no light. Don't let your mouth. Be controlled by your emotions. Let your mouth be controlled by the principle of God's word. Thy word have I hid in my heart. David said. That I might not sin against thee. Become an oracle that out of your mouth flows uh, water and Refreshing to the souls that listen to you And he says let your speech be with grace Seasoned with salt That you may know how you ought to answer every man Every single man So back here in Ephesians uh, Paul went on here He said let no corrupt communication Come out of your mouth He says in verse 30 Grieve not the Holy Spirit Don't grieve the Holy Spirit Whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. How do you grieve it? By, by having bitterness. So what you do? Put away let bitterness, bitterness. You're bitter against somebody. You don't like them. You know that that is so childish. Somebody says, well, I don't like them. God, grow up. Even the sinners conduct themselves better than that. Don't be prejudicial. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you and all malice also. And instead, be kind one to another. Tender-hearted, giving, forgiving one another, even as Christ, God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. I got five minutes. You go with me here. Chapter 5. Chapter Five is so beautiful, but we can't get into the whole thing. And he goes on here. You know, the chapters were put in by the translators, but it was a one chapter running into the other in the original. Uh, that was what I was told. I never saw the original, but that's what I was told, that the original language did not have chapters, nor sentences, nor verses. Uh, you know, everything was there. You had to figure it out. It says, "Hey, walk in love, uh, as be therefore followers of God as." Dear children, his children. Papa up there wants you to follow him as dear children. Walk in love. That's the love of Christ. Charity. Walk in love. Uh, He says, verse verse 3, But fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not once be named among you as becoming children of light. Saints. Saints. He says, needle of filthiness. You see, we coming back. Speech is so important because your speech betrays who you are. It exposes who you really are, your speech. So when someone is talking, let them yap away. It gives you a better opportunity to hear who they are. Don't stop them. Let them yap. And if they're Just accidentally getting into an anger, they will repent themselves. Let them say say enough to ask God to forgive them. He says, Neither filthiness nor foolishness nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Learn to give thanks to God for everything. Good days, bad days, give God thanks. He said, For this you know that no homemonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous person who is an idolater, shall have have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. I'm going to finish with these few verses here because we're talking about children of light, walking as light. We're to walk as children of light. You see, Thessalonians tells us we're not of the night nor of the darkness. We should walk as children of light. And Paul went on here. He says, Be not therefore partakers with... Let me back up. Let no man deceive you with vain words... For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the churn of disobedience. Don't be influenced by what the TV has or what you can read. Read the Word of God. I preach a lot of scriptures to you. You know, Brother Singh, I know what's going on in America. How did you know? God told you? No, I got it on YouTube. Yeah, good for you on YouTube. This is the tube I listen to. I read, listen to the news. I listen to the news and sometimes it's all bad news. But I listen to the news to keep abreast. But I don't get influenced by what they say or what they do. I must be influenced from within. I must feel right. And if God is leading me, that is important. And it is sad if you think God is leading and he's not. How many people in this world feel God is leading them and he's really not? Got two minutes left. Let no man deceive you in vain words, but because of this, come at the wrath of God upon the churn of disobedience. Be not, be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you, remember now, you were sometimes in darkness, but now you're supposed to be children of light. Let your light shine before men, that they might see your good works. Isn't that what Jesus is saying? This lesson tonight is about letting your light shine. Christian living, the light of Christian living. All right? Now, now your lights, light in the Lord. Walk, walk. Everybody say that? Walk as children of light. May God help us. May God help us to put away all this ungodly stuff that's around us. May we walk to please God and walk as children of light and let it shine to the people around us. Listen, it's not easy. Don't let anyone tell you it's easy. It's not easy to go upstream when everyone is going downstream. But it takes a live salmon to spawn going upstream, to spawn and lay its eggs. It takes a life, Christian, that in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, full of darkness, that you shine as lights in the community. Please, can you shine some light? Can you do that this week? Can you try to do that tomorrow and a little bit every day? It's not easy. It's a challenge. But it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for this night in your house. God, we live in an age of darkness, darkness to the right, darkness to the left, darkness all around us. We turn a television on, it's darkness. We go to school, it's darkness. Lord, we listen to the news, it's darkness, and we listen to the preacher, and it's darkness. Oh, God, please have mercy on us and help us to recognize the importance of having true light within our lives. Help us to be that element that would live in a community and be the light of society. Please save us from darkness, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.